back and forth about this new idea of zoning in Edmonton. Our, our first conversation that we're going to have is going to be about why this new zoning renewal, this new zoning bylaw could actually be a really good thing. Essentially, what it, what it could do is encourage some density in our city and reduce urban sprawl. So we'll talk about the bonuses and the upsides as seen by our first guest. And then coming up after your 2.30 news, we're going to talk about the other side and the concerns around this bylaw and why this might not be a good thing for maintaining character in our neighborhoods. And I would love to know, you know, what kind of side you fall on or how your opinion falls into the mix here. So, of course, send a message in. You're more than welcome to call. I love to hear your voice as well. So however you want to communicate with the show, you're more than welcome to do. Our first guest touching on this is a software developer and Claire Vatten resident. He helped found Grow Together Edmonton, a pro-housing advocacy group run by ordinary Edmontonians. Yash Bandari is joining me. Yash, thanks for making the time. Good to talk to you. Hey, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. So let's just kind of clarify exactly what the zoning bylaw does. Essentially, what it means is that homeowners can build a lot more property and a lot higher up than previously. So from your perspective, just help define exactly what these new changes could mean for Edmontonians. Absolutely. Well, it's not too much higher. Uh, Essentially, what the new zoning uh, bylaw would do is it would allow for uh, things like townhouses and multiplexes, things that are currently elite, currently already allowed in our you know, developing areas outside of the Hyundai and allow those in some of our mature neighborhoods as well. So it's going to bump up the, the allowable height by two meters, again, to match what was currently allowed in the uh, developing area. Uh, and it's going to reduce a lot of the barriers that make housing a lot more expensive to build. So let's just really clarify here. That what we're talking about is the any any neighborhood that falls on the inside of the Hende is now applicable for this new bylaw change. And is this something that is officially going through? Yeah, well, it's going to be uh, across the board, across the whole city, actually. So the uh, newer neighborhoods out on the like outside of the Hende, uh, uh, they'll have... Um, They'll have their own changes, and they and things get a little bit denser there. But inside of our our like our core area, that's where the changes will mostly be. Like the drastic changes will be, uh, and so that's going to be uh, where that's focused. So, speak to urban sprawl and how making this change then could reduce urban sprawl. Why is that something that, from your perspective, we want to fight against? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the big thing is that urban sprawl is uh, it's bankrupting us as a city. Uh, if you look at a typical uh, neighborhood that's a new neighborhood that's built on the edge of the city, uh, and and you do the math, you'll find that the city is projected to lose hundreds of millions of dollars over its lifespan, and that's for every single neighborhood, and it, it's been that way for decades. Uh, and the result of that is we have a massive infrastructure. Uh, deficit. We have way more infrastructure than we can afford to maintain. Uh, it's something like $470 million a year. That's how much we're underfunding our infrastructure maintenance by, uh, which, you know, that's more than we spend on, on transit or, or, or policing. And we need a 28% property tax on top of what we've already had, the tax hikes we've already had. Hmm. We need a 28% property tax hike to cover that. So economically, a move like this, as outlined in this bylaw, could be the best thing for Edmontonians. Absolutely, yeah. It's going to allow us uh, to raise our uh, tax base by, you know, replacing an old bungalow with maybe some townhouses, a multiplex, uh, raise our tax base without increasing our costs much because, you know, all that infrastructure is already built. We have the roads, we have the uh, the schools and the sewers, and a lot of the utilities are often underutilized in our mature areas. 
because uh, you know populations have dropped so substantially since their peak. I think people worry, or there is worry on the other side of this conversation or this or this argument, that it's going to really change the character of some neighborhoods, some of these mature neighborhoods. Is that is that a fair concern? And I I, I do hear that, but um, the thing is, these changes aren't super duper drastic. They're again, what's being allowed in our mature neighborhoods, and that's the, the older neighborhoods. Uh, under the mature neighborhood overlay, uh, is really bringing them up to par with what's already allowed in our, you know, in our current new neighborhoods, which isn't super horrible by any means at all. Uh, and and another point to that is, I'd say that uh, yes, there probably will be some change with this, uh, but you know, what's happening in these neighborhoods right now with declining populations, with families moving out, with kind of this hollowing out of our core, that kind of stagnation is its own kind of change. So with the idea of this bylaw allowing more density within neighborhoods that, as we said, fall within the inside of the Hende, does that do anything, Yash, to help with the housing crisis as we've as we've deemed it many times on this network, in, in media in general? Does it help make costs come down for people? Yeah, so uh, I think absolutely. Uh, if you look at cities across Canada, um, especially the ones with the most acute housing crises, the most acute housing shortages, like Vancouver, like Toronto, and even Calgary these days. Um, something that's been holding back the supply of new housing has been really the municipal bureaucracy. It's been the zoning regulations. It's been the fact that to build uh, you know, an apartment or a townhouse or anything like that, you have to go through this sort of gauntlet where you have to uh, go through all this public consultation and do all of these, uh, you know, like shadow studies and so on and so forth, and then uh, go through a big, long rezoning process, and then eventually you can hopefully get permission to build. Uh, and that's a very, very time-consuming and expensive process that uh, generally makes housing a lot more expensive to build and has really constrained the supply of housing in most cities in Canada. I think people get really caught up on the number. So now with this new bylaw change, the city is going to allow eight or more dwellings on single family lots. And so mm-hmm. in order to accommodate that number, this would increase, as we mentioned, it would increase building heights, as you just explained, up to two meters, and then would reduce front, rear, and side yard setbacks. So, I mean, I think the argument about how that could change the character of a neighborhood is valid, but can we talk a little bit about how how slow building actually takes place? I mean, this isn't something that we're going to see take place overnight and transform neighborhoods immediately, right? Absolutely, and that's part of the, the logic behind spreading these changes out over the entire city. When you're able to do that, uh, you're able to, to spread out where redevelopment happens. And when it's not confined to certain small areas, uh, it really is a very, very slow build-out. This isn't the city coming through and saying, okay, time to tear down all of these you know, bungalows and put up three-story apartments. That's, that's not at all what it is. Uh, it's not even saying that you can't build more single-detached houses. All it's saying is that this is what's allowed. So if you know down the line, you know somebody decides, okay, I, I'm, I want to downsize my home or something like that. Then, as a property owner, they would have the right to build a higher density home on their own land. Hmm. So when on the text line, of course, as we're having this conversation, our listeners are weighing in as we've invited them to. Frank asks a question about overload of infrastructure. What do you think about that? I think it's entire. Um, if you look at our mature neighborhoods. 
uh, and talking with the you know the Glenoras and the Windsor Parks and those kinds of neighborhoods, uh, there really has been a substantial drop in population. Uh, and that's just because, you know, as, as, as families age and kids move out, you get fewer and fewer, fewer people uh, living in these neighborhoods. Uh, I think there was an example in, in, in Capilano or something where, where the sewer systems were having trouble because there just weren't enough people flushing their toilets to get everything everything through. Um, so absolutely, I, I, I think the core areas are where we have the infrastructure already and where there is excess capacity. The other argument to that too then about some of the infrastructure surrounding these buildings and, and accommodating all of this build is that to to what you just said, there the piping and the sewer lines can't necessarily accommodate all that demand. So is the city actually equipped for being able to accommodate so much more on properties? Well, it's exactly the opposite. There is not enough usage on, on a lot of places on these utilities mm-hmm. uh, because populations have dropped so much. Uh, and then the other thing is any upgrades that are required in, in, in certain areas, those are typically paid for by the developer itself. The city just sees the upside. They see the higher tax base and without having to take on a whole bunch of extra uh, infrastructure that they have to maintain and upkeep. Hmm. What about how this compares to 15-minute cities? Because I think people make that connection. and <laughs> Obviously, yeah. uh, this has become a really controversial issue. So is the idea of creating more density essentially going to lead us toward 15-minute cities? So there, there, there are no plans at the city uh, to, you know, lock people into districts or do anything outlandish like that. Uh, all that this is about is it's about providing options, essentially, for people. It's about making it so that if you want to, um, another part of this is that it's going to allow uh, commercial in more areas. It's going to allow for things like your local neighborhood coffee shop or a convenience store, like a, a corner shop. Um, and so these are changes that a lot of Edmontonians are looking forward to. Um, and so, you know, it's not going to trap you in, in a 15-minute thing. You can walk down the store to grab uh, uh, an ice cream on a hot day uh, more easily. Okay, Yash, thank you so much for making the time and, uh, and talking about this. Uh, really appreciate it. And if I could just add one last thing. It would be that um, most of the changes, again, they're going to be... Uh, most Edmontonians live in newer neighborhoods that aren't going to see redevelopment for probably decades. Uh, for them, it's really just all gravy. It's going to be lower property taxes, it's going to mean lower emissions, and it's going to mean less overcrowding in their schools because schools in the core that are often underutilized will be able to absorb some of that new population instead. I'm glad that you mentioned that because there are people on the text line that are raising that question about school districts. If everyone wants to go live in one school district, are we going to overload um, that system? Can you speak, just before we let you go, one more question for you, Yash. What about property Mm -hmm. value? What does this do to existing homes in that neighborhood? Well, it's really, um, this isn't a question with with an easy answer. There's, you know, by having more amenities in an area that can improve property values, but some people uh, don't like having lots of density in their neighborhood, so that can decrease it. It, it really is a, a, a sort of a sort of toss-up. Hmm. Okay, Yash, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. That's Yash Bandari, a software developer and Clarbatton resident, and he helped found Grow Together Edmonton, which is a pro-housing advocacy group run by ordinary Edmontonians. So what do you think about this new zoning renewal bylaw uh, that will essentially reduce sprawl and, as Yash outlines, emissions and even housing costs?